Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blade Disgusting's horror video game podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bolt. And for this month's edition of Horror Bites, in which Neil and I each highlight four bite-sized indie titles, we have a new bevy of horror titles to chat about that can typically be completed in less than an hour. And while some of these titles may be free, we believe it's important to support the developers' hard work. So if you can, please support them through their Itch.io, Steam, or Patreon pages. So Neil, it's uh, our favorite time of the month, or one of our favorite times of the month, of chatting about some indie horror titles and these bite-sized experiences that we keep doing our best to, you know, try to find them, whether that be based on kind of just the type of experience they provide, whether it be the aesthetic of them. Uh, it always ends up being really fun chat, and we probably have the most varied type of chat we get to have in talking yeah. a very interesting, eclectic mix of experiences. So why don't we lead with you for this month? What is your uh, first pick for Horror Bites? So I'll go with The Muse, first of all, which is a interactive fiction piece so as we've done a few of these in the past i feel like it's almost habit now where i got to pick (laughs) one so um so this is by uh javier carrasca and it was made for a uh a comp a a pastor comp to uh, uh so it's made in a short period of time um basically the idea of it is in you know the theme is inspiration sin and romanticism um and then called basically experimental interactive fiction. So, yeah, basically it's you having a chat room thing with your muse, your artist muse, if you will, and having to put prompts in to uh, you know, take that forward and create your great work, if you will, which is written, it seems, rather than, you know, you would, you think of muse, normally you think of, um, you know, say more art or, painting or whatever. but no this is more with that so i thought you know that's really cool that it's the first time we've done one of these games where the, there's already music in it so we didn't have to add any so that was nice and, <laughs> yeah it was nice but you know it, it just shows um how well you picked in previous months with that because this has that kind of vibe to it straight away and it's like oh great yeah, that's it we, we were obviously going on the right path with that um yeah, so that it has that it has some cool art to it that um, is yeah all of it's been credited to different areas in you know, all this art and music, and I think the music is by Kevin McLeod, so you know, king of the uh, free music <laughs> online. Um, yes, yeah, so as a game, um, yeah, it didn't have the best time with it. I think mainly because it, it began in such a clunky manner in trying to sort of understand how to get it to work you know in terms of what you need to input to get it to do things so that was a bit confusing at first and sort of pouring around it and finding that got it back on track a bit and yeah it had a fairly little decent creepy edge as it went through but i don't really have a lot to say about it it's just felt a bit, it did very much feel like a game that was made in a short period of time and felt either it was missing something or just didn't quite have the whole execution of the idea it was going for finished. You know, it, it felt like there was something that if it had been given the extra time, it might have all connected together a bit more and had a bit more explanation to how you're supposed to do things in it. So... Yeah, unfortunately, I'm starting on a bit of a lukewarm one with, with this one. But uh, how did you get on with it? 
Yeah, you know, my experience with it was very similar to yours. And I'll say up front what I liked about it, right? I think that this was definitely one of those experiences that succeeds in kind of capturing the vibe that it's going for, Mm -hmm. right? It has that moody music. It has that charcoal gothic art style, which I like. And it has a creepy sort of aura about it uh, in terms of just like the predicament that the player is in and sort of the way in which the story unfolds. But at the same time, again, coming back to it being a little too archaic for me in terms of, you know, the analog nature of basically typing in commands and these things and experimenting, you know, maybe people that grew up with games like that from that era, this would, you know, click with them in a way that it did not for me. And it sounds like it didn't for you either. But it, if anything, it felt like it needed to be on the rails a little bit more to get started. Yes. Almost because I found that. Early on, I just got frustrated because I had to keep going back to the hints that are available. But it's not just like, oh, you just press H and it gives you a hint. You have to go through like the menu structure again and then kind of digging through various. And then even still, again, maybe this is more, you know, my fault that I haven't played a lot of games similar to this. But even with the hint, it was kind of like restructuring my brain in terms of like, okay, this is how this needs to go and how this proceeds in terms of, you know, continuing the story but i didn't really feel like it scaffold that well you know mm, it was like yeah. okay i figured out the first thing to write but in my mind like initially it would be difficult but then the player the more that they experiment they learn sort of the sensibilities with which they need to go about to continue the story like what what are you going to put in that is going to get either like the reaction you need or kind of like clue you in on it without having to go to a hint screen of some sort. But for me, you know, again, I experimented, you know, countless times with the first section and kept typing things in. And every Mm. time I would get something back that says like, I don't understand or something Mm. like that to the degree where I was kind of like, okay, I would prefer that if I'm typing that in and it's wrong, that's fine. But the feedback I think needs to begin to inform me more about like what I should be gearing my answers towards instead of going to a hint screen kind of, you know what I mean? Like if you punch in the wrong thing three times, it says that I don't understand that, but then it gives you some sort of hint. I think there was just a lack of streamlining that made it difficult for me to get into this experience. And then, you know, I honestly didn't finish it. I spent about 30 (laughs) minutes with it, just experimenting going through. I think I got to like, the third act or something like that. But again, it was more of kind of a vibes experience for me rather than something that I was like really taken with from a narrative perspective Mm -hmm. or even from an interactivity section or uh, perspective. But I think that, you know, it does a good job of establishing the aesthetic it's going for the atmosphere, which, you know, that's a testament to the creative behind it because again, it's a game that is a text adventure essentially. So the fact that they're able to convey that is one of the qualities I think of these interactive fiction pieces that you've been picking for horror bites that succeeds maybe where another did not. Right. I was thinking of the zombie one that you picked a couple of, uh, it was either last month or the month before that, where, you know, it didn't have a real sense of atmosphere about it or something like that. And, you know, had it presented itself in the way that the muse did, perhaps that would have clicked with me a little bit more, but you know, it was just a shame that the muse ended up feeling a little too, archaically designed for uh for my liking at least yeah and i think maybe a part of it is is, uh literally lost in translation because this was initially a spanish language game and has been sort of run through 
translators and maybe you kind of lost something there. So there's always that possibility. But yeah, going back to what you're saying there about having covered previous things, previous games have definitely been special because they've tried something different with the medium. This feels very much like a throwback and you know, the, whether that lands or not depends on how well structured it is. And as we've mentioned, it's not particularly well structured in that regard. But hey, yeah, being okay but disappointing is not the worst thing in the world. It's, um, you know, stuff to work with there at least. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So um, on to your first pick of the month. Well, I figure since we're going to get our uh, less than stellar <laughs> game. I like to end on a high, you see. So, so. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? Is that, you know, based off of overall, just gauging based on what I played and kind of knowing your sensibilities with games uh, a little bit over the last, you know, two years or so. Yeah. Uh, I think that we're going to end or each next pick is going to just keep, you know, the uh, enthusiasm will grow as the episode <laughs> goes on for anybody dreading this is going to be more of a dour episode. But, you know, for my uh, first pick of the month, I'm going to go with um, Melficum. I hope I'm pronouncing that yeah. <laughs> right. By, uh, uh, is it Maleficent? Maleficent. Yeah, I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> there I go, striding in with confidence. Oh, I can say this. It's like, nope, tripped up halfway through <laughs> the word. As we both mumble through that, but as always, there will be links in the episode description as well as the blog on uh, bladedisgusting.com in case people want to, you know, find these games for themselves to try. But this game is from Deadbite, and it's a demo through Itch.io, and you can wishlist it on Steam, but at the moment, the demo is not available there. So definitely mm -hmm. go look up Deadbite on uh, Itch.io, and you can find it. Uh, basically, I would describe this as The Witch, Robert Eggers' film, right? Yeah, this idea that you. Yeah. I mean, it is about a girl named Liberty who's, you know, a Puritan girl that lives in the woods with her family and some strange things have been happening, right? The game opens with a very vivid nightmare section or mm -hmm. perhaps it's a prophecy of the future, perhaps. Yeah. But you're basically walking through this village and everything is on fire. You see these charred bodies in the street. People are screaming. There's people that are being hung up and all of these things. And... Then you kind of go about the day in the life of Liberty when you kind of snap out of this trance, if you will. And, you know, as strong as that opening is, this never really captured that sort of horror or wonderment again for me, uh, just because of it feels very much like an early, early tech demo or a proof of concept, if you will, yeah. because a large part of the demo is spent wandering around the woods. You can interact with your dog. Uh, who is lovingly named Rascal, who you can pet in case anybody was worrying. Uh, but I think that from that regard, like it's interesting that it shows early on that like you do have some control over Rascal. It's more about, you know, calling him to come. You can tell the dog to go in a certain direction or to stand still. And you get a brief glimpse of that later in the game to mm -hmm. do a brief puzzle solving section, which, you know, just it's a pressure, pressure sensor puzzle, basically. Yeah. Um, and other than that, <laughs> you kind of just like go to your cabin, you get a couple examples of interactivity, you get a couple of interactions with, you know, the mother, the father. And I will say that there is some great voice work for Liberty herself, right? It, yeah. it, you know, again, describing it as a proof of concept, I think, is the fairest way to describe it. But at the same time, there's at least indicators that there's going to be a, I don't want to say a bigger production value behind it, but rather 
the studio or the developers themselves are going to be having more of an emphasis on making this a little more cinematic than maybe the gameplay itself would lead you to believe. Mm. Um, which, you know, if it's a game that's all about this girl Liberty and her struggles with whether or not she is a witch or a prophecy and these things and the changes she's going through, that might make it a little bit more of a personal tale, personable tale. And I think that that is what has me more interested than any of the real gameplay stuff that goes on with uh, within the course of this demo. Uh, how did you get on with this one? Yeah, so I found the uh, you know the, the setting of the tone, visually speaking, is done really well in the opening. You know, it, it really does set the mood nicely, and generally the presentation is really good. It is a demo, as you say, and I think that ends up being the reason that it hobbles it somewhat because it feels like that half of the game that they're going for is more polished and finished than the underlying mechanics of it. And Or maybe it's just the case of the fact that the demo ends where it does at a point where, well, there's obviously going to be more unveiled and maybe it does get more interactive and more you know, flexible what you do. That's the nature of demos. So many, you know, big games, big and small in recent years, I've played the demos of and been thoroughly underwhelmed because they pick the wrong point. They, they, you can't just take a slice out of some games and make it work because it doesn't, unless you go with something strong. But if you get something too strong and it's different to the rest of your game, you end up disappointing people who buy it based on that. So it's a tricky thing getting a good demo slice right. You either have to make something that is altered from the final concept. Um, so you, you know, I think a great example there is um, Metal Gear Solid 2, which had the tanker demo, which gave nothing away of what's going to happen beyond that. And you want stuff like that if you're going to do it right. But I think that's where it, it does lie. It, it does well out the gate with a great presentation, just doesn't really whelm very much in terms of what it does mechanically so yeah i'm very much with you on that front but i I think the demo ends at a good point to sort of say that there's potential that something more is coming out of it yeah and i think that you know in that opening that i mentioned that's the most horror centric part of the experience i think that that's an indicator that the devs are not going to shy away from uh maybe a little more brutality than people are used to in their uh their witch games if that's sort of the yeah Uh, where this game is going to be leading in terms of its narrative. I think that it does a good job of establishing that they're not going to shy away from elements of that, you know, subgenre that maybe some people would rather, uh, you know, make it a little more clean cut, if you will, or something within the realm of something like The Witch, which leaves a lot to it, you know, to the viewer themselves. And it's a little more ambiguous with this. The horror is a little more overt in your face. But at the same time, hopefully, you know, they continue with, making Liberty and her struggles in dealing with this uh, change and whatnot uh, as personable, hopefully, as it seems to be indicated in the demo. Absolutely. Let's move on to uh, your next pick. Uh, yeah, my next pick is Vazi by Cedric Guilalay. And I, again, probably garbled that one up, but hey, that's uh, <laughs> I apologize. Um, this is, again, it was submitted to the Black and White Game Jam which, you know, doesn't mean a game has to be black and white. It just means it has to be two tone, basically. That's it. This game being um, black and red, which is great. And the first thing that sort of drew my eye to it, very simple. Um, basically, you are this thing inside a body. Yes, we've been here before on Horror Bites. 
um, trying to worm your way, literally worm your way around a body, um, collecting little dots and finding your way through the maze of antibodies, I suppose, really, um, in order to kill the person. And uh, so yeah, it's uh, <laughs> a bit different to blockage, you know, a game that we covered very early on in that regard. And visually speaking, very simple, has some, you know, audio like uh, you know a woman coughing and stuff like that and it has that sort of amniotic sound that you get from you know being an enclosed uh liquid space which is done really well and does definitely sells that quite well i find um i really did like the two-tone color scheme uh, i think they've um it articulates what's going on quite well you know with very limited visuals this being said, it's a really fiddly game. It's like, yeah, um, it is. Uh, it, it was, um, you know, you are having to do very direct movement and your character is basically a wormy thing that's wriggling around constantly, but not just in any direction. It's wiggling constantly wherever you go. And it's a bit of a pain in the ass when you get to the harder sections of uh, game through. And there it stumbles, really, I think. It, it's Again, you can straight away point and go game jam game limited time got the basics out the door things there to be fine-tuned always that caveat absolutely but yeah we're basing this on what is there and what is there is you know impressive in a lot of ways but (laughs) again in a mechanical sense doesn't really hold up for very long before becoming a bit frustrating so uh, it sounds like you um feel fairly similar on that one. Yeah, you know, I'll just, I'll build off of what you were just saying in terms of, I can appreciate the variety in terms of a challenge, right? And that the fact that until you get to the heart itself, the types of environments on the, you know, environmental puzzles, if you will, are ever evolving, right? You have to, you know, avoid moving obstacles and then, you know, furthermore, more difficult crevices in these things to maneuver through, Again, though, that falls apart when the movement is as finicky as it is, unfortunately. I will say, though, much like you had noted, I really like the kind of virtual boy look of the yeah. game, right? The way that it, the reds and the blacks play against one another. But more importantly, they're informing the theme of the game, right? And kind of what's going on in the background. The audio design, I was actually fairly surprised by considering, you know, again, how short of a development cycle this had. But they, again, are reinforcing the overall theme, right? A yeah. subtle cough or hearing a heartbeat and these things that add personality to something that even if I was frustrated by the end of it, at the end of the day, though, like you get that what I found to be a satisfactory conclusion because it was informed by, you know, again, the idea that you are essentially <laughs> going through these great pains just to kill somebody, yeah. uh, which is very morbid. But at the same time, it fuels that body horror theme nicely. Yes. Um, I just wish that, again, the controls had been a little more refined. But I think overall, like, you know, it's very rare that I think a lot of these experiences achieve both, right? They achieve a memorable look or aesthetic and they nail the gameplay factor. Mm-hmm. And I wish the gameplay factor had been a little tighter, but at the end of the day, this is memorable, I think, in a way that, you know, others have not been. So from that kind of standpoint, um, it's it's enjoyable, but not without its flaws. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it it 
sought me out with the very first look at it because it, you know, striking in what it does. Very simple, very easy to look at, but does the job. So there you go. So, um, before we get a half time on this show, um, and a nice drinks break, we shall pick your, your second pick now. So my second pick is going to be Perfect Vermin. Perfect and that's Vermin. from developer It's the Maceo. And this is available on Steam and Itch.io. Essentially, Perfect Vermin uh, puts the players into the shoes of someone that steps off an elevator at a nondescript office building and they're wielding a sledgehammer mm. and they must proceed to smash the office to pieces. But it isn't quite the simple act of workplace <laughs> retaliation. Uh, rather, you're hunting what I think can only be described really as an invader, uh, yeah. something that doesn't belong in the office and you can't leave the floor of the office until you kill it. Basically, you're hunting these fleshy mimics that blend in with everyday office items, refrigerators, toilets, chairs, desks. And rather than having you smash literally every single thing in the office, given that they are quite spacious of an environment, um, you kind of have to pick apart the environment in different ways. What's out of place? Oh, Mm. why are there two chairs there? Instead of one at that desk. Why is there uh, a toilet there... next to a fridge? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, yeah, I, and I love that you mentioned that because, right, the hints range from the absurd, you can't miss them. Why are there two refrigerators right next to mm-hmm. each other? That's clear. Okay, I'm just going to go smash both of them, and chances are one of them is going to be a mimic. But it's not so much just the fact that each floor has increasingly difficult you know, hints as to what the mimic is, right? Because yeah. At the end of the day, you can only do so much with that before getting burnt out. What I like, though, that kind of has a warrior wear-esque sort of spin on things is that every floor has a new modifier, essentially. One of them, you will see the office environment, everything's on the ceiling or upside down. At one point, you're going to get two screens and you're in two different parts of the office and you kind of have to handle the movement of both of those perspectives. Uh, one of them, it's going to be double the amount of mimics and you have a time limit before you have to kill all of them. Yeah. And, you know, from a gameplay perspective, I think that that allows the experience to never really allow me personally to get burnt out on it, right? It's a simple kind of gameplay mechanic. You run around and smash it. But <laughs> the different sort of variables that make it increasingly difficult provide enough challenge that you don't get burnt out on it. But also there's this body horror element that comes into play more and more where, you know, the more you're progressing, the game actually cuts from your first person perspective to what is it looks kind of like a TV studio. And you have this announcer that the further you progress, he begins to display more and more signs of, uh, let's just say, body augmentations or body horror that would be right at home in uh, a Cronenberg movie, if you will. Um, And I think that Pairing that with the gameplay and the concept makes for something that achieves the sort of warrior nature of the whole thing, but has a really strong horror element to it that grows yeah. the further you get. And, you know, I think that this is probably one of my favorites of the month and I really, really enjoyed this. So I'm curious, what did you uh, think of Project Vermin? Yeah. Perfect uh, Vermin, excuse perfect me. Vermin. <laughs> yeah, so straight away out of the gate, the, the fact that it is just a game where you smash the shit up is my favorite subgenre of game anyway. <laughs> it's like, it's so pleasing to do that. You know, um, in a week, I've actually gone back and been playing the old PS3 puzzler Trash Panic, which is basically like Tetris with trash. And yeah, it has that satisfying aspect to where you're just like trying to smash trash on each other, depending on 
you know, how heavy or whatever it is to just make it all degrade so you don't overfill the bin. So yeah, stuff like that I love, you know, and, and doing that in a weird way, like Trash Panic, is also, you know, very much my street. And so yeah, this, strangely, after playing Angerfoot and that demo of Angerfoot, it, it was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, it was like, oh, okay, like that. Then the mimicry thing was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And, you know, it's interesting you you uh, bring this up straight after Vazi because it, it shares you know, a lot of DNA in terms of like the, the overall idea of it. You know, and in fact also feels like the 3D version of blockage. Yeah. In terms <laughs> of uh, what you're actually doing. But, um, it goes in a very much more absurd way. It's quite smart, the game, you know, to use just two levels effectively, two floors, and then just remix them in different ways. Like you said, you know, making it split screen upside down or, you know, by the end, just, tripping through all sorts of, you know, inception like, what the fuck am I doing <laughs> levels? And yeah, you know, I'm a sucker for that sort of thing anyway. So yeah, it, it was very much pleased me from off the bat. I think it guards itself from frustration very quickly because it's setting you those familiar patterns. You know roughly where everything is each time. It's And it's just giving you those little nudges to say, okay, so you know where things are now. Now we're going to change something about the environment to make that harder, which is great. Uh, yeah, and that's the way to do it. And all the while, you're given this fucking sledgehammer to just smash <laughs> whatever you want up while you're doing it. And so, yeah, that that's, adds a nice bit of pathos to the, to the situation where you're like, yeah, I like this. I, if I can take out my frustrations if I have any <laughs> on that. Yeah, I think as, as a game and how it culminates, it's tightly paced, nicely done, doesn't overstay its welcome, leaves things in a way that are very out there, but yeah, clinically finished, you know, which is good. That's the combination I like. So yeah, I I was very much impressed by this one. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I totally agree. Like it doesn't outstay its welcome, which could be a very easy pitfall, right? Mm. With something like this, that at the surface, level examination of it it's like cool i get to destroy things but it having a stronger horror emphasis but at the same time not advancing the mechanics per se keeping them simple but the ways in which the world itself becomes more difficult or more challenging uh i was a huge fan of and it just shows again like the developer very clearly understood like what they were going for with this and as a sensibility again within such a short amount of time it's only probably a 15 minute experience if that yeah um they're able to keep it feeling fresh. And then just when you think, okay, there's probably not a way for them to continue this because there's only so many modifiers. It just calls it a day yeah. and you feel fully satisfied. And yeah, I love that the further you get into it, it leans heavier and heavier into the horror elements, but also that becomes apparent in the narrative element of the game mm. itself, which is great. Yeah, it does a grand job at all. That was definitely a a memorable experience. But before we dive into your next pick, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll dive into your number three pick. And we are back from our break. And Neil, what was your third pick for the month? My third pick, while I slowly pour myself a drink that's in a quiet way that doesn't show up (laughs) on the sound, is Reunion by Ghoulish Kid. Um, So this is a point and click high school reunion horror story made in two weeks for 
Adventure Jam 2022. Um, it has a, a very, ironically, not ironically, a very fitting um, nostalgia sort of visual look to it in terms of its very yellowy-brown. You know, everything's got a sepia tone, I would say. In fact, that's, that's probably the best way of putting it. And you are basically a man called Tom who is exploring his old high school to come to hang the decorations and set everything up for the reunion later. He goes around the place sort of doing that, like finding stuff in that very point-and-click manner, whilst sort of lamenting the way his own life has gone and how miserable it is and all that. Um, and that leads to some horror of sorts, yes, and... Yeah, which I'm sure we'll get into in non-spoilery ways as we go on. So, this was an interesting short idea. It, I like the visual style of it straight away. You know, that it's this sepia tone sort of thing really does work well with the idea of like, oh, coming back to something from your, your youth. Um, I don't know how deliberate that choice was, but it, it really does feel like it was because, you know, it, it does. It, have that sort of uh, nostalgia feel to it. Um, I like that the main theme of it is not so much like all spooky, but more like the horror of like having to reunite with your past. <laughs> and, you know, and the idea, of, you know, oh shit, all these other people are going to be better than me and have done all these amazing things and I've done nothing. You know, a feeling that you know, no, no matter what you have or haven't achieved in life, you know, you are going to end up feeling having to come back to people that you probably didn't like. You know, <laughs> back then anyway. And the last thing you want to do is meet them again and don't feel like you've got any further ahead of them or, or, or lagging behind in any way. Um, so yeah, as a result of that, it, it did work quite well. And, you know, even though the ending kind of ties into that nicely, it did feel a bit flat, you know, for me. I, I It felt like it just sort of happened. That was it. And left a bit like it was otherwise yeah i think it's pretty competently made does a good job of telling its story visually works quite well with what it's doing and yeah and handles its theme quite well i think in a way maybe the ending was always going to be that sort of um mundane because i, I don't know how you do it without souring the uh mood you're going for before that how did you go with that? Yeah, I actually really liked this. And I think that it's because, A, it's simple but very structurally sound, yeah. right? There's no surprises in terms of how this plays as a point-and-click adventure. No, what no. I really liked was is that it has some really stellar writing for as short of an experience as it is. It establishes the character, where they're at in life, their views on the past, while you know having a dour outlook on the future, even if they don't come right out and say it. But really, for me, what it is, is it comes across this character in the world in small little details that come about from exploring, you know, their old stomping ground, if you will, of the high school, right? And kind of just interacting with various items. At one point, you interact with like a mop, and then you start talking about like the janitor that was there. And then after talking about that briefly, it's uh, it concludes with, oh, well, he's actually probably dead. Because it was like an old man when I was there. And now, you know, it's 10 years removed or something like that. And, you know, little details like that that have this kind of morose humor behind them. At the same time, though, it is a perfect reflection of where the character is at um, in their own life, which then, you know, fuels the fact that 
you know, they are at this kind of crossroads, if you will, of like, well, I'm not really happy with where I'm at in life and starts, you know, thinking about the past and how, you know, time just kind of slips through your fingers. Mm. And that whole notion kind of, uh, I found to resonate with me a bit as somebody that, you know, is uh, within the last two years had their like 10 year high school graduation and going back and, you know, dreading seeing certain people and then those interactions going better than you thought they would. But then at the same time, you know, the game actually makes a comment on that at one point where he's like, Oh, I can't wait to have people uh, spout Facebook posts at me, which, <laughs> you know, for anybody that's been to a high school graduate or high school reunion, it is very much that type of thing where it's like people kind of just, you know, here's my relationship status. Here's my job. Here's what I like about my job. This is what I do on the weekends and that's it type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think in that regard, the game captures that sentiment very well in saying very little at times. Yes. Um, I think that the narrative behind everything and the character shines through in a way that's memorable, that's humorous, that, you know, is a little depressing at times, but <laughs> it makes it feel like this is just somebody going through the motions. So that way, when the horror elements do come into play at the end, you know, I found them to not be jarring, but to really, you know, fuel sort of it really is kind of like the only ending that this could have because of how perfectly it feels that it is representative of this person and what they're going through it's not that oh there's a killer here and i have to avoid the killer or there's a ghost right the horror in this game is very particular in exploiting i think the character and where they're at and their experiences in a way that it does feel a little mundane perhaps because it's not this big spectacle moment which you know some of these experiences have a tendency to do right they kind of play it cool in the build-up and then they have this big in your face moment and then it's over and for this game to have that more maybe traditional type of horror bites ending that would probably be like well this game was never really building to that just in terms of the tone or what is kind of revealed about the character or just overall the pacing of the game but yeah I uh, I enjoyed this a lot, and I think that again, you know, from a gameplay perspective, it's not remarkable, but it's functional and proficient. I think in that point and click kind of style. Yeah, the puzzles are not, you know, super difficult, but at the same time, they're not kind of just in your face uh, with the answers. The world itself plays a bigger role in solving the puzzles, which you know further you know pushes the player to explore things, and then at the same time, you know. I don't think that it's like, oh, well, you have to really like scour the environments, but it furthermore just like tells the player, okay, you need to interact with the environment. You get a little bit more perspective on the character, their high school experience, but more importantly, the puzzles. And that kind of makes for this nice little all-inclusive cocktail of what every single piece of the environment does and should be explored. Yeah, absolutely. It does do those things very well. And in that regard, I think it tells its story great in a great manner because you know, it really digs into the essence of its own personal horror, as I said, and um, that horror being very much the, the anxiety-ridden horror of Christ, I've got to meet these douchebags again. But, <laughs> you know, which I have very handily avoided ever <laughs> since leaving school many moons ago. So yeah, um, I it made it very relatable in that regard that I would never want to, especially because I think <laughs> you go back and you, well, if I meet the few people that I liked, 
and I'd have to know they were going <laughs> to even right. consider going. And it's like, Christ, yeah, that's it. Well, even it? though, like, in the beginning of the game, right, is that your character is supposed to be meeting one of the few people that they are still friends with or still in contact with. And it's the worst case scenario. And I definitely had that when I went to my reunion where it was like, oh, cool, you're going to be there. A couple other people I know are going to be there. So we'll just all meet up. And if it, it sucks, well, I'll just, you know, post up in the corner of the bar and hang out like we normally would. But then what happens? Your character's the first person to arrive yeah. there. And that is like my ultimate nightmare of going somewhere <laughs> you don't want to be to begin with. And you're going to be 45 minutes early compared to everybody else. That's kind of like your safety net. Uh, so right there, the game captures that anxiety. And I guess that's like very much a first world problem type of thing. But it is a sort of anxiety that I would assume a lot of people could probably relate to on some level. And so having this starting point of an anxiety or something that people fear that more or less is very easy to relate to, like that's a great starting point, I think, in mm -hmm. making, even if, you know, your high school experience ends up being different than the protagonists and whatnot, that's still like on an emotional beat that everybody can relate to in uh, yeah. one facet or another. Absolutely. So yes, that was, that was a good one. Um, so on to your third, your penultimate pick, I suppose. Yep. So my penultimate pick is going to be Vacant by Ryburns. Vacant is about a 30 minute experience that can be played in the browser or as is uh, typically the case, probably better served to uh, be downloaded from the Itch.io page. And again, all of the links for these are in the episode description and also on the blog that goes up on bladedisgusting.com mm -hmm. for, you know, when I inevitably butcher another uh, developer <laughs> name, which I apologize for. But Vacant is a ghostly adventure, I'll say. Yeah. Something along the lines of oxen free, And this will become more apparent why that's sort of my starting point for describing the game. Yeah, uh, so, a good go-to. So basically in Vacant, you are hired to film a ghost hunter show for a YouTuber, right? And this YouTuber that's hired you has said that like this is going to be their big break. They're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of the disappearance of about 50 plus people at this lodge that's basically in the middle of nowhere. The game starts with you guys hiking for several hours to get there at this lodge called Mast Hill. And essentially you're just filming this ghost hunter show. Yeah. And the more that you explore the lodge and the remnants of what used to be in the lodge and the kind of mystery that the whole place is swept up in, it becomes apparent that maybe there's some truth to that mystery or perhaps it's all a hoax. Uh, this was one that I think really shown because of the quality of the writing. Mm -hmm. It's very personable. Everything that you can interact with, whether or not it really like progresses the overall narrative, it adds more flavor to that setting. Yes. It makes it a space that's believable. Everything that you interact with also furthermore brings up a little bit of dialogue between the characters who, you know, are not well known to one another it's kind of like a one-off job it kind of feels like uh like a craigslist posting that somebody's responding yeah. to in terms of just like oh well you know i need somebody so you're going to fill in for the day is basically a pa essentially and i think why i refer to it as being similar to oxen free or that being kind of like the easiest comparison is that sure the haunting or the horror element of itself is the basis for it but the game really does shine in its personable dialogue between the characters whether they're their dialogue is reflective of their predicament of being in this creepy place that, you know, the further you investigate becomes more ominous mm. or it's more or less just like their interactions with one another. It feels like the conversation you would have with somebody that 
you don't know, but you guys are forming quickly a bond because of a scenario, whether yeah. that scenario is ideal or not. Uh, I think that it brings about the most uh, personable writing probably of any of the picks that we had this month, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, before we delve into a little bit more of it, I'm curious, how did Vacant land for you? Yeah, I think my comparison point would be Grave Encounters meets Sally Face, which, uh, you know, oh, Sally yeah, yeah. both, uh, there's, there's both of those vibes in here for me. Um, especially in the visual style, which I think is closer to that Sally Face than it is, um, Oxen Free. And I think it's more that sort of ominous, um, Pixel dread, art. yeah, that dread feel that you get from, uh, Oxen Free is there and the conversational aspect of it. Yeah, as you say, pretty well written. You know, that was, it sounds condescending to say surprising, but you know, it's always mm. surprising when any game is really well written, I think, because, um, you know, it's, there's, you know, you can do good writing, you know, and decent writing, but to actually be at a decent level like that is very hard. And for such a, you know, for a smaller developer, that's all the more impressive. Um, but that again just comes back to the idea that you know when you're in control of these things, or well, it can go well for you, and you can make these things feel more personal and you know and feel like a an experience where you are getting one person's viewpoint or mindset, or even just two or three people. Um, yeah, I think it builds the law for its location really well. You know, like this is where the grave encounters thing goes quite well for me, where it's, or even Hellhouse yeah, LLC. Where you had that sort of found footage thing, but you're viewing it for before the footage has been found, essentially. And yeah, you're going around hearing these stories, getting these little noises and little hints at what's going to happen. And without ever going to that level where it's like, oh, now you're going to be fucking screamed at every five seconds. Like it doesn't do that. It goes to a very dread inducing place and a very ominous end, if you will, you know, where it's, it just leaves you on a point of like, oh, okay, that that didn't end as <laughs> as well as it could have, but you know, in for the characters rather than uh, story sense. So yeah, I think it does all that very well. And I like viewing it as the idea of being found footage before it was found. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, like it because that's an interesting angle. Yeah, take so we've seen so many games that take up the VHS found footage aesthetic. To have something that does the before feels quite different, you know, and I like that, that we can have that kind of angle, you know, and, um, yeah, everything about it just screams for that, you know, of that genre, uh, cinema, because, you know, the whole people meeting up for the first time, excuse to have a camera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But having it on a 2D plane, I was so convinced it was going to go to like, uh, you know, a 3D behind the camera thing as soon as you got in just because of the way they were setting it up so you know full credit that it, it sticks to its guns and says no we're telling it like this and yeah so i'm yeah i, I quite like this one yeah without uh spoiling the ending of it did you find it to be a satisfying ending yeah so considering what we were just saying about you know, the last game reunion and how you know it's expected but maybe you were expecting something more even though you weren't it, it's just it's hard. you didn't know what to expect because you didn't think it was going to go for exactly what it should. Here, 
I was glad of it being understated. Just going back to what I was saying before, I'm glad it didn't go to the Grave Encounters sort of level of finale where it's just like, here's all this mad shit happening. We don't need that. It doesn't have right. to happen. And that is where it separates itself from that sort of subgenre where it ends up taking a very downbeat, but not brutal or nasty or shocking thing. It just, it's very matter of fact. And yeah, it feels like the repetition, repetition of a cycle going from what they've been telling you and every, it all adds together nicely. I think the story pretty much gets to its final point in good fashion because it explains it so well. It explains it in a way that means that that ending is earned because you look back at it and go, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's exactly how it should be. You know, and, you know, and I think you could only go to one of two ways and make it a satisfying thing. And the other one would be the discovering something really shocking and maddening, but yeah, I like the unknown aspect of it. You know, the why, the why, the why, the why that's left in your head and not knowing why is perfectly done here. Yeah, I'll say it's understated in terms of it not having like a spectacle type of ending, but yeah. it does have a very classical haunting aspect to mm. that finale that, you know, the older I get, the more I find that those are the types of endings that stick with me longer than any sort of like in your face yes. moment or, you know, like you had said, a ton of mad shit happening at the very end where the <laughs> world essentially feels as if it's crumbling around them before they escape the lodge and this and that. It's something that is very subtle, but the way in which it's presented and you see how the characters react to that, like that is what is very chilling and haunting. And then it kind of ends on this perfect end note where it's a little up in the air, but at the end of the day, like that ending I find to be perfect because like you'd said, Almost every element of this, whether it's the scares, the production, the writing, this and that, all kind of complement one another in a way that makes it something really, really special, I found. And yeah. I'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as I did, because it's one that I think if people are looking for something that's a little more along the lines of like a traditional big kind of finale, they might feel underwhelmed. But I feel like this is the only type of ending this game could really have just based on how it carries itself throughout the entire experience to begin with. Yes. Yeah. It, it needs to be what it, it will do what it does. I think because otherwise it would just, I think it would feel as satisfying to go, the, go the other route. But uh, let's chat about your final pick for the month. My final pick. And yeah, I'm so glad you didn't pick your last, the other game you haven't picked yet before <laughs> I did this because after, <laughs> I played yours after this and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Because everything I'd said about it to that point was like, well, that, that kind of makes that moot now, doesn't it? Um, but, you know, at least it puts it in context for you. So um, that game is 10 Days Until She Eats Me by Hector Cacto. Um, and this is a proof of concept, you know, that it says from the outset. Um, it's a space station gardening simulator in which you are basically in a rotating wheel biological research space station and you're stuck in there with a strange monster girl. Yeah. And basically you wake up, no recollection of what's happened. And this monster girl is your only company. Um, but of course she's not particularly friendly and wants you to feed her. And the only way you can feed her is to, uh, 
yeah, do some gardening and uh, grow some <laughs> stuff in space, or you're basically going to be uh, you, you're going to be on the menu if, if not. Um, so yeah, that in itself is a cool concept, I think. Anyway, but um, before that's even apparent, I really liked the this you know the wheel rotating wheel design of the space station in this game. I found it to be really like hypnotic and you know this using that central force of gravity to sort of keep that movement going round so you're in a looping corridor that never sort of goes anywhere but you have these offshoot rooms to do things in yeah it it did feel like you were sort of stuck in a loop very literally and you know you have to survive 10 days of uh, in this place gardening whilst and surviving being eaten yeah so I was Straight away, very much into those sort of things from it. Um, so, uh, what else did I like about it? The farming under pressure aspect of it is probably, you know, it, it does quite well for it. I, I think, you know, the idea that you have to sort of get this stuff done, this, this very, you know, Stardew Valley Minecraft stuff done, <laughs> all be eaten, basically, <laughs> is like, you know, a nice uh, motivating thing. And it, it adds a nice bit of spice to it. Um, but yeah, just the general vibe of the space station thing is always a good thing for me, as we'll talk about with your last pick as well. It, it's just a fun thing I like to have in video games. And I think it's a really well-realized space station that you know, unfortunately does feel like it gets a bit usurped by the final pick for this month. But, uh, but yes, um, in terms of being the newer of the two games, I would say it's, you know, and definitely the smaller project, uh, you know, and being a proof of concept thing, I think it's, does a lot in that sort of small space. And yeah, it's a bit weird in, in the way that I like. So yeah. How did you feel on this one? Yeah. You know, I really liked taking a familiar mechanic, that being, you know, the guarding simulator aspect, yeah. giving it the, you know, sci-fi horror aesthetic, which I love. I mean, if I was to play a garden simulator game, it would be something like this that has, you know, a little more urgency, such as you said about, you know, it's not just the fact that you're trying to like make your end of the year quota, end of the month quota. It's that if you fuck about and don't, you know, stay on task, then you end up on the menu, which is something that yeah. I really like because it adds urgency to it. But at the same time, you know, I don't want anybody to think that that means like, oh, it's, you know, you're, it's got a breakneck pace to it, right? It's no. kind of just a constant reminder that it's like, okay, you can explore, but you need to be mindful with your time, which if anything, you know, I'm, I played Stardew Valley a little bit, but it's the type of thing where it's like when you have this abundance of time, it's the type of thing where it's like, okay, well, there's not a lot of urgency. There's not, there is challenge to it, but it's not as urgent as I kind of mm. want an experience to be. Um, and of course that fuels the horror aspect of it, which I think works well. Um, with something such as this, I did like the atmosphere. Like you'd said, traversing the station, especially early on is creepy. Um, and I think as a proof of concept, it's a strong proof of concept because mechanically it's very sound. The aesthetic is strong and I would be interested to see the ways in which that could maybe grow if yeah. there's different, you know, whether it be farming mechanics, whether it be other horror mechanics that come into place. But then again, how do you really expand on that threat? Right. It's like, okay, you're going to get eaten if you mess about, but 
I think that there could be more complexity probably to just the gardening side of things, which, yeah. you know, there could be legs to that, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I was just thinking of the film. It reminded me of it's uh, the Mark Kermode favorite, Silent Running. That's the one. Oh, space yeah, station, yeah. Space station gardening thing. So, yeah, that, there was a bit of that to it, which, yeah, is a very niche place to go. But, yeah, I like that about it. So, yeah, I, I'm thinking you know, at the time of this game you know, um, episode going out, this is, what, like just over a week since this was posted. So, you know, this is something with a future, you know, and as a proof of concept, that's using it like a vertical slice of what you're doing. So it, it only encapsulates your ideas rather than the, the scope of the project, so to speak. So, yeah, there, there probably will be a lot more to this uh, idea going forward whether that works for it or not we, we won't know but to have this bit looking as good as it does already yeah good stuff yeah and it definitely you know it makes a short list of proof of concept experiences that we've covered on the show mm. that you know who's to say down the line maybe we'll check in with this game or something like um, the witchcraft game that i talked about earlier right these mm. being proof of concepts or demos maybe checking them out in, you know, three months, six months, returning and see what kind of progress they've made. Uh, that could be something that maybe we'll explore in the future. But yeah, it's a, uh, a strong showing, an initial showing for that one. Yes. Um, so for the final pick of the month, it's Shock Horror, also a space station set game. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what did you pick? Space Horror is hot at the moment and I'm loving it. it. Hot, so yeah. <laughs> my final pick for the month is Stowaway by Dirigio Games, and I found that one on Itch.io. And this one's a bit older, right? I think it's a 2016 game. Yeah. Um, and this has you as a janitor, essentially, on a space station. And you're going through the simple process of a ship shows up, it docks onto the station, but as is typically the case, and in uh, alien fashion, the ship has brought an unidentifiable organism on board, and it's up to the player and the remaining crew amongst the space station to try to not only contain this organism, but to escape the station as a whole. Um, this game, I think, initially what stood out to me, it features a really gorgeous monochrome aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, this black and white, and it's you know a first-person adventure where you're going through the station, you kind of at your, you know, disposal are pretty limited in terms of just, you know, interacting with switches, computer monitors, you have a flashlight at one point, tracking monitor, but really it's going through the station and trying to utilize that skill set to, you know, progress the overall eventual escape from the station and whatnot. Um, and I really, really enjoyed this game because of A, the way it looks, right? I think saying something's monochrome or black and white it's like, okay, cool, that might be noteworthy, but this game, I think, utilizes it really, really well because it plays with shadow in a way that yeah. I'm trying to think of. There was a game within the last three or four years. You're talking uh, of... The Return of Oberyn. Oberyn, yeah. That, that, that's, yeah, it's basically a game that is um, harking back to the early days of computer gaming. Uh, so it has an almost dot matrix pop art sort of look to it, if anything. Uh, I call it retro dread. That's the way I yeah. always like to think of it. But uh, yeah, it definitely has that to it, and that is a you know, big part of why it works. That's a really great way to put it. And I think that you know, visually, it's unique. But the way in which it plays with shadow, and you know, the more you explore parts of the ship, the ship itself just feels expressive. And you know, by all accounts, it's 
fairly unremarkable just in terms of it being like any number of other space stations you've explored mm. in games. But I think that the monochrome really allows it to pop in a way that's unique. And it is quite a large environment to explore, right? You explore multiple yeah. levels, you end up in the sewers at one point, and there's enough variety in terms of the areas that you're exploring and the way in which they're presented that, you know, the sudden nature of which the organism makes itself known. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things is, is that it's mostly monochrome, but it stands out because it has a little bit of color to it, which, you know, in a world that is a majority black and white, it allows it to almost be more of an ominous threat. Mm. Um, and, you know, the various crew members that you run into are all identified by different colors, which kind of yes. reminded me a little bit of uh, Tacoma in the yeah. sense that, like, each of the characters has a different color and, you know, it being a standout amongst the environments. Um, I think also what the game does in terms of the narrative, you know, it's fairly simple. Again, like I said, you play a janitor. Everybody you interact with has their roles on the ship. The dialogue is basically just to further push along, you know, your inevitable escape attempt from the station. But what I really like is that there are little subtle bits of, you know, world building or lore. uh, And it taps into an element of alien isolation that Mm. I really, really liked in that, you know, alien isolation for all intents and purposes, the main story, you know, you're Ripley's daughter, you're trying to escape the Xenos and all this. But that game had a really interesting take on space and, you know, technological advancements, that being, you know, capitalism and how capitalism basically has uh, left Earth and it's running amok in space as much as it did on Earth. And this game does something similar, though it's not a focal point. But like early on, when you're in your office, you can kind of read, I think it's a couple of sticky notes or it's like a newspaper headline or something. And there's only like three or four little text boxes, but it does such a great job of establishing the tone Mm. and establishing the world itself that even if it never becomes the focal point of the experience, again, it just adds a little bit more flavor and texture to the world. Um, If anything, you know, some of the things that it mentions are like, oh, well, space stations are now understaffed. A lot of them are shutting down in faraway galaxies and people might be being abandoned there. And kind of the idea that, the expansion age of space has already ended before it really got started. Like, again, those things in the grand scheme of things are inconsequential, but it, it sets the player on edge before the ship even arrives before they learn the organism. Right. Because there is this sort of not hostility, but there's this unknowingness with like what is about to involve. Mm. And the fact that tensions have probably been high before the alien shows up, which if anything kind of makes a bad situation that much worse uh, for the player. But, I'm going to stop rambling now. What did you think of uh, Stowaway? <laughs> oh, man. Um, while it predates Prey and is after Alien Isolation, it is probably the most bedazzled I've been by a, a spaceshipy place since Prey. I think because it just, like Prey, like Alien Isolation, it just gets the aesthetic, you know. You know, whereas Prey was very much this sort of retro future sort of uh, look to it in its own way, you know, an alien isolation obviously taps into the literal retro future uh, styles of that film. This sits kind of on its own whilst, you know, obviously having, I mean, alien is the influence without a shadow of a doubt, but it's in a way that even isolation doesn't do. It really captures all that whole sort of lo-fi 
retro future tech thing, you know, like the sounds going on, you know, the sounds of you know, old dot matrix printers, funnily enough, um, being one of the things you hear um, in places just feels wonderfully absurd in this world that very much looks like it could have printed off that. And yeah, every little detail, every little sound, the sound and the music of this are just brilliant. You know, they, they really do just lift everything up even higher. You know, that make synth it, score is really remarkable. Oh yeah. It, it just, it, it's unbelievable. You know, and I've said before how much of a sucker I am for how a soundtrack can really elevate everything no matter how mundane or mediocre. And this isn't that anyway, but it really does push what is a very simple idea into the stratosphere. And suddenly it is the best alien game that isn't Alien Isolation. <laughs> right. You know, it really does just give you that. You know, and this is maybe dabbling in film a little more than games, but I think it is, uh, it's apt for both mediums, right? It's like when people say that, a movie is an aliens clone mm. or ripoff or this or that. It's like, well, you know, alien could not be more of a simplistic premise, but it's the way in which it goes about telling that story, right? The various ways in which Ridley Scott makes that world unique, the performances that are in it, the ship layout, the texture to that world. So, you know, when you have something like this, that, you know, is very clearly a homage to alien, right? There are so many games that have done that, but this one is unique again in the way that it tells that, you know, by all accounts, very simplistic story. And I think that sometimes the best experiences, whether they be movies or games, the premise itself is simple, but it's the way in which you go about making that come to life, you know, in, in this case being interactive. Mm. Um, and again, like considering the limited nature of the interactivity, right? Other than walking around, what do you do? You press buttons on computers or at one point, you know, you use a tracking bracelet to track somebody in the ship. And these are all things you've done before, but it's really the way in which the world itself comes to life in a way that feels unique, that looks distinct, yeah. that, you know, when you pair the visuals with the, again, like how phenomenal the score and overall just the uh, environmental sound design and whatnot, like every single part of that ship feels unique in a way that, you know, it's, sure, it's labeled as the engine bay, it's labeled as the crew quarters, but, like, I associate those with the sound design, right? Because each yes. of those locations features a different kind of sound, or even if it's something as simple as, like, smoke billowing out of pipes, there's a unique sound that goes along with that that, you know, builds tension, and then when you have that synth score, I mean, it's it's very much like a chef's kiss kind of experience that uh, really delivers in all facets for me, and it sounds like it does for you as well. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it ticks the boxes. You know, it's the alien box, it's the space station box. So it does those things, those things so well that it's almost a shame that an alien turns up. You know, because <laughs> you kind of want to get into that. But yeah, you know, even those moments where you are sort of running for your life effectively, they feel tense, and you get real decent. You know, feel for the, the the place anyway as you said very well signposted you know um things of color is so limited anyway in, in this world that when it does show up it's pretty much giving you a sort of encouragement that this is where you've got to go but that's it brilliant and yeah considering how black and white it is most of the time i never really i didn't get lost you know even yeah. about w wandering off the path and stuff like that 
And I've never known a game in a long time where a flashlight just suddenly just changes everything. You know, because it really does just suddenly illuminate these areas. And in black and white, suddenly seeing the white of the black and white, it really is something. And it really makes that first sort of encounter all the more special because you're looking for like something in the dark you know, by just shining a light on it. And it's like, no, 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 we're going to show you something in bright color, you know, like that. And that bit, you know, where you get the reveal, or not full reveal, but like you see the tail of the creature as you turn around the corner and you're like, okay, like that. And then it slides off and it's just done in a very casual, slow manner that is like, oh, okay, that's why I'm after. This is what it's all about. And, the fact that it, it does just cause general panic after that and running and not knowing if you're being chased or if you're just trying to escape to the next... It just... Yeah. It it really just gets everything really well. you know, And that, that is such a rare thing to do, you know, in trying to capture that feel. And it's not just Alien that's in there. It's just general, that B-movie uh, sci-fi feel of the 70s and 80s. It understands that in general. We were just saying this about before with the um, uh, 10 Days Until She Eats Me, where it has a bit of silent running to it. And, you know, that that's even in here in that sort of category of 70s, 80s sort of sci-fi. So, yeah, it, yeah I, there's something about that time period and that vibe that almost feels more sci-fi than any amount of CGI futuristic cities could these days. You know, it just, you know, which is ironic because we're talking about computer-generated game. But, it's <laughs> like, but you know, it's just the idea that why would everything be high-tech on stuff that's not made for being high-tech? You know, it's like everything would be functional and clunky and shitty and put together. Probably looks nicer on the outside sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the element of alien the film that i love so much right mm. is that the fact that on the outside it's like this wonderment of a vessel that's sprawling and more technologically advanced looking than anything we've ever seen but when you get to the inside of it it's so unremarkable and it could be any number of kind of industrial buildings yeah. or plants or these things it's, it's a giant it truck lacks, in space yeah it's, <laughs> it's a giant truck in space exactly i mean it lacks that flair that you would see in you know a star wars or a star trek like that bridge where everything is the most advanced thing you've ever seen. And I think that that captures the place in which this take, this kind of like future world takes place, right? It's that people are not blown away by space travel anymore. No. They're just like, okay, we're here, we're doing a job and we just want to get home for our leave or whatnot. And I think that the game placing you in the boots of, you know, a janitor furthermore captures that aesthetic, right? And there's no combat, there's no this or that, but it's still expressive in a way that I really like. Like you'd said with the flashlight, every time you take out the flashlight, there's almost like a little flick of the wrist when you take it mm. out or something like that, that, you know, it's notable that this is being enabled, this is being used. And, you know, at one point there's a key puzzle that you don't use a key card to open a door, but I'll leave that for uh, a surprise for people <laughs> that want to go and play it. But, you know, every act feels like it has some personality or flair to it in a way that makes it more remarkable than just like a kind of, plainly described as pushing buttons. Um, I think that, you know, again, it captures that in a way that makes it notable. It makes its inclusion 
memorable in a way that maybe typically it wouldn't be in a game such as this. But yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed Stormway as much as I did. Uh, and this was definitely probably my highlight of the month, if not, you know, in my top two. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like cheating to have a game <laughs> from this old, uh, this far back. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> it is um, all the same, a really nice discovery. And, you know, the, there are so many out there that you know, it's nice to have something from this far back to sort of go, oh, yeah, this, this is cool. I like this. And then you think, how the hell did I miss it? And I just then think of the people that like that sort of thing and thinking, did they miss it? Did they, did they not miss? And yeah, it, oh, grand, just grand. It's the fun part of the show, right? Is that we get to kind of scream from our uh, our hill, if you will, of uh, you know getting to promote things that have more than likely, unless you're on you know itchio on a daily or weekly basis, more than likely missed, just because you know yeah. the volume of games that are released on that platform every day or every hour. It seems um, there's definitely things that are going to fall through the cracks, and yeah, that's why Horror Bites remains a uh, a monthly highlight for me and. I can't wait to see what we come up with for our uh, picks for next month. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, bound to be another set of surprising things. Absolutely. But as always, Neil, it's a uh, pleasure chatting horror with you for Safe Room. I got you. Until next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod for show updates. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.